The following content is sponsored in partnership with Haymarket Media U.S. What are they writing? Who are they treating? How are they treating? All de-identified, of course. And other data points to help you understand this is what good looks like in Veridime's EHR, specifically based upon the patterns of our provider clients. That level of uh, kind of bespoke marketing support is really the secret sauce of what makes EHR so special and such a great conversion channel. Hi, this is Mark Iskowitz, editor-at-large for MMM, and I'm super excited to be part of this sponsored podcast with Veridyne. It's called Beyond the Blink, Mastering EHR and POC in Omnichannel Healthcare Marketing. In last year's healthcare marketing survey, MMM saw an uptick in point-of-care marketing budgets, as well as a percent increase in those who said they're using the point-of-care channel, despite an overall 8% decrease in pharma's overall promotional outlays. Those results suggest the durability of this channel at a time when budgets are being questioned. And while we haven't seen a major rebound materialize in pharma marketing spend just yet, the point-of-care channel is expected to remain a budgetary staple, perhaps even gaining a bigger share of the media plan. That's because of the pivotal role of electronic health record platforms in reaching doctors at the moment of prescribing. But as marketers look to integrate EHR into the media mix with TV and other channels, pitfalls can occur. My guest, Damon Bash, Veridime's VP of Strategic Partnerships, is going to run through strategies to ensure that your brand not only survives, but thrives in the moments that matter most. Damon, how are you? And welcome back to the MM Podcast. I am doing very well, Mark. Always a pleasure to sit down and chat with you. Absolutely. Welcome, welcome. Okay, so let's just get into it here. You're going to talk about some some ways that uh, you know, point-of-care strategies can go sideways at times. Describe some of those typical scenarios You know, where, despite having a well-planned omni-channel strategy, things may go amiss or, or awry, as I should say. Well, it's a really interesting time to have this conversation, Mark, because uh, just like every other omni-channel partner out there, we are on uh, the other side of RFP season. So uh, we've filled out hundreds of RFPs from all sorts of different brands. And through that process, you begin to see some of the commonalities about the ways that um, agencies, pharma, and brands are approaching omni-channel and specifically POC. Um, and obviously, a lot of it revolves around the NPI, I call it NPI balls. And if you're trying to normalize an omnichannel plan, uh, you try throughout from top of funnel to bottom to reach as many of those physicians of importance as efficiently as possible. And a lot of what happens is people try and push point of care or push EHR into that kind of harmonized or normalized model. How many NPIs? And how efficiently can I reach them without necessarily understanding exactly what happens in the EHR and how quickly everything accelerates to that moment of prescription. Everything moves a little slow at the top when you're starting with uh, streaming or connected TV and other broad reach channels, which are meant to be efficient and broad reach. But as you start to get closer and closer to that encounter, to the prescription, things start to happen really, really fast. And so a lot of what I want to talk about is some of the ways those things do accelerate and some of the actual clinical workflow um, occurrences that happen in those 30 seconds to two minutes that it might take for a physician 
to make a prescribing decision and to actually prescribe. A physician can actually write a prescription in three clicks, Mark. They can select a patient, they can select a medication, they can send it to pharmacy. Now, in reality, it usually takes a few more clicks. It can take as little as 10 seconds, but in reality, it sometimes takes two minutes or more. But there's so much friction going on between the initiation of that process and when that prescription gets sent to the pharmacy. And so an entire year's worth of planning an entire year's worth of budgeting comes down to that crucial, let's call it 10 seconds to two, uh, two minutes. And if you don't understand what's occurring within that time period, everything you've spent, all of your best planning, all of those processes and work, that's what can go sideways super, super quick. And so we're going to nerd out a little bit on EHR in this conversation. So I hope you're ready for that. But what I wanted to do is kind of expose what some of those workflows look like so that omnichannel people can think about that a little bit, think about EHR a little bit differently, but also get the best possible outcome uh, at that part of the overall omnichannel equation. So that was a little bit loquacious, but that's kind of what um, I'm driving towards today. Yeah, that, that, that's really fascinating. It makes perfect sense, Damon. Thanks for the setup. I was wondering, maybe we could take a step back because you mentioned that it is RFP season. How are brands in pharma kind of approaching the, the point of care channel? Do you see like a difference in the way they're approaching it fundamentally for 2024? Uh, well, I'm definitely seeing um, more programmatic out there. Budgets are definitely shifting towards programmatic activation. Um, I think that's a good thing. I, I think there are more ways to, um, in real time, affect a strategy and also get data back to tell you of what you're doing is the right way to do things. We're in a position where we're offering to partners who are interested in programmatic activation the ability to do so. But in point of care, there's very much a bespoke nature to it as well. And so what I'm seeing from the best marketers is a blend. So they're reaching in the endemic point of care category programmatically, but then when they're really trying to get specific to a certain set of patient-centric data or a certain practice type or a specific encounter, they're coming to us and saying, we're going to do our programmatic buy, but we're also going to work directly with you for a bespoke strategy, uh, which is really uh, uh, out of respect for the fact that there is so much going on within that 12 minutes on average, that a physician is with a patient in an EHR, and again, those 10 seconds to two minutes where they're actually making a prescribing decision and sending it. So that's really the trend I'm seeing is that kind of hybridization. We're getting asked a lot of questions about AI, which is a whole other podcast that we can talk about when the time is right. Um, but those are the shifts that we're seeing. And to your point about the stats, we're seeing an increase in the number of brands that are interested in EHR. Some of that is a comfortability within uh, MLR and within legal and understanding point of care in general and understanding EHR um, and how best to operate in that environment. Uh, some of it is the understanding that it truly is the conversion channel for any omni-channel plan and excluding EHR from your overall plan um, is feeding the top but not the bottom. And so we're seeing an increase in the number of brands across the board that are asking us for help. And obviously, we're, we're thrilled to be able to be there for that. 
Nice to hear that that your pipeline is is filling up. That's that's a really good metric and an important one, right, for um, a company like yours in this uh, sort of environment. And we know that there's many different EHR systems. And you know, when when I hear you talk about those crucial, you know, twelve seconds, you know, or the twelve minutes, you know, when a physician is with a patient, is, is there a lot of variability there? And I know there's there's a there's a you know one or two large vendors that we hear a lot as as, as medicine becomes increasingly institutionalized. A lot of them are you know, seem yeah. to be, um, you know, standardizing on this one large vendor, uh, which requires a lot of additional clicking through. You said, you know, a provider can do it in as little as three clicks, but there's oftentimes a lot more um, that has to be completed within the EHR in order to just kind of complete the encounter. Is, is there, is, is that, how does that affect things? You know, the, the difference in the, the, and the variability, the heterogeneity of the EHR, you know, systems market. All EHRs have some fundamental clinical workflows that are the same, uh, no matter who the software provider is. There's a different user experience. There's a different level of quality. And then there are different applications. Some are large health system platforms, which are really highly bespoke program solutions for that specific health system and all the different specialty areas within it. And some are more focused, like Veridime is, on the ambulatory environment. These are clinics where patients are walking in and walking out and they're seeing primary care doctors and specialists who focus in a clinic-based environment. But the e-prescribing workflow, the documentation of a diagnosis, uh, some of the clinical intervention tools, um, they are all variations on a theme. Um, One big difference for the purposes of an omni-channel conversation is that these large hospital health system applications don't accept advertising. Uh, There may be a specific instance or health system where there's a limited opportunity to communicate with physicians, but it's not natively integrated into these large hospital-based systems. And so that's a big difference because it's much harder to get there as a marketer than it would be for Veridime, where we built our solutions ground up with the ability to appropriately message physicians in a completely HIPAA-compliant way. So it's challenging once you go to those top players to get any meaningful omni-channel presence there. But I also want to get back to the very first question that you asked me, which is really to kind of get into the weeds to figure out where things go sideways, because I don't think we quite went as deep there as we need to, to understand what's going on for a physician. So picture this for a minute. Picture Mark is going uh, to see your primary care physician. Before you've walked in the door, uh, most EHRs have already done a benefits investigation. So we know who your carrier is. We know if you have government coverage or commercial coverage. We know that coverage is. We know what your chief complaint is. So you walk in with the physician and you go through that initial presentation. You talk about your complaint. Uh, the doctor's taking the free notes, the soap notes in there, subjective, objective assessment and plan that you see them typing away in their EHR. And they're moving their way through differential diagnosis to diagnosis and ultimately, if required, a prescription. So they've entered that prescription process, and here's where omnichannel marketers who don't know EHR don't understand exactly what's happening. So once that prescription process starts, we've contacted your carrier to understand if that brand is covered or not, and that gets returned in sub-seconds. And then that payer will tell us what the uh, actual cost for that brand is, whether or not it requires a prior authorization, and potentially therapeutic alternatives, if it's a generic that's available or if it's in the same class of drugs, but it's less expensive, they'll tell you what cash pricing is. They'll tell you what pharmacy pricing is. And so a physician who is writing a prescription for Mark 
may start with one medication in mind that they think is appropriate. But between the initiation of that process and when it gets sent to the pharmacy, their minds may be changed multiple times. They may find a drug that doesn't require a prior authorization or one that is same in class and just as effective but costs less money or one that's approved for a 90-day supply instead of a 30-day supply. Or they may override what they're writing so it's not switched out at pharmacy by clicking something like dispense as written or brand medically necessary. So why do I share all of this? I just shared with you five, six, seven, eight different things that happen in seconds when a physician is writing a prescription. And if you're marketing in that environment, you need to know how to make sure that the physician has the tools and the information to make those decisions in that moment. Um, and that's a conversation. It's a little bit more of a sophisticated and targeted approach to omnichannel as opposed to building awareness. As we know, at the top of the funnel, you're building awareness. And as you bring them close to that moment of care, you're driving interest, you're driving engagement, and then you're driving the actual conversion. In that conversion, a lot of other things are telling you, don't convert, don't convert, try this instead. And you can't control those things, but you can control how you educate the physician in support of your brand. Absolutely. You, you can't control what, you know, things are going to pop up, you know, prior authorization required, or as you said, a 30 day versus a 90 day supply or, or price, but you can control, as you say, what you can control. And that's how you market and, and giving physicians the, the tools and information that they need uh, at that moment of conversion, right? Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of examples, uh, you know, tier status. Uh, we have a, EHR is an ideal environment to either uh, make sure that physicians understand that uh, for a patient they're treating, that tier status is strong and that the pricing will be good. If it's not, then that's when copay and coupons starts to come into the equation for cost parity. That's one example. Uh, I mentioned dispenses written or brand medically necessary. That's another one. Um, if it's a competitive class of drugs, it's up to the physician to decide if the specific brand that they're writing is the one that has to be filled. Otherwise, a pharmacist will look for something that is comparable and cost less. So those are just two examples, but there are numerous examples where we need to think about EHR a little bit differently. Do you talk about tier status when a physician is watching connected TV? Probably not. You're talking about the brand so that the name of the brand, the indication of the brand, and the happy people who are living well on the brand are all starting to generate awareness in your mind, quite different than when you're in a clinical platform. And so those differences are something that require more conversation. Uh, between the partners out there who have EHR and Omnichannel is trying to make sure they have the right presence there. So you're saying like, uh, even though uh, point of care is fundamentally a kind of bottom of the funnel type of a tactic, you, 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 you switch up, you know, your messaging a little bit, depending on whether you're operating at the top or the, or the bottom of the funnel. You know, if you're on CTV, you're not going to be talking about tier status or, or those kind of minutia type things. I think that's absolutely correct. Point of care in general requires um, a specific type of messaging that is vastly different from social media, that is different from um, endemic journals, that is different from uh, non-endemic environments like uh, television and outdoor and other areas like that. Um, there's a reticence sometimes on the part of marketers to really focus on it that way because sometimes creating new assets can be a challenge. Sometimes getting new creative assets approved through MLR can be a challenge. But if you're going to play in the space and you need to play in that space, then you need to think strategically about your content, your messaging, but again, what the actual clinical workflow looks like. What's going on when a physician is administering to their practice and they're not with a patient? 
and when they're in a clinical counter and they're actually looking at a patient. Um, the more you understand that, the more effective you can be with your strategy. And you can't just necessarily look at that environment as how many NPI balls and what's a CPM. You need to think about what's the environment and how can I make sure that I pull through and I don't get disintermediated because of what this clinical workflow looks like. Right. Preventing disintermediation is, is, is very important. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, you're seeing EHR get integrated more in programmatic, which is something when you and I spoke last at the, at the MMM trend talks, uh, last, uh, November 16th. Um, that was one of the, the points of discussion was that, you know, um, EHR is moving toward this integration, you know, more with programmatic and therefore more in the omni-channel marketing plan. Is that kind of where, you know, choosing the right point of care media provider really can help, you know, make sure that the brand's influence stays true as EHR scales up into this broader media plan? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question because when you start looking at programmatic and you start looking at networks, what you tend to lose is visibility into the specific platform that your message is being delivered through. Um, you know, there is a big difference between a connected app with a small number of users that may not have the resources uh, for the right privacy or the right data protection. Uh, may not even have the data rights necessary to ensure that your message is in a safe place. And so, you know, as you look to aggregation and networks and programmatic, one thing you do need to be aware of is that clinical software is different than non-endemic media or even some endemic media. Um, and the environment, the platform matters. You don't want your brand to be presented in a platform that has a bad user experience, that doesn't handle messaging in a way that is not disruptive to the physician and their workflow. We don't want to see NASCAR messaging all over the clinical platform, whatever it is they're using. There's a lot more that goes into making sure that the messaging is complementary to the clinical errand of the physician or to their practice or to their specialty um, and that everything is protected and everything is done um, in the right way. And I think as you start to step away from you know bespoke modeling, platform by platform and you look programmatically or you look in the network fashion, you have to really uncover and ask questions about who are the underlying clinical software providers that are rendering this media? What do we know about them? Are we sure that the privacy is in place, the data rights are in place, the data security is in place, and that the messaging is delivered at an appropriate frequency in an appropriate place in the workflow that respects the clinical experience of the provider? If that is not the case, then that will negatively reflect upon your brand. And so that's why I talk about brand equity and being clear on the platform that your media is being delivered on. I think it's critically important. Yeah, it's kind of like brand safety in the clinical environment, right? Which is something we don't necessarily hear about. It's really a fascinating, you know, sort of uh, topic. Brand safety, for sure. Um, and, and brand equity. Again, uh, if a physician has an experience with a platform where everywhere they go, they're seeing this one brand again and again, and it has nothing to do with who they are, what they're doing, who they're treating, um, that is not a good look for your brand. Um, and I think the specificity of working um, in a platform where you can use the data to make sure that you're delivering the right message in the best possible way 
know, that's important. You know, we cap frequencies. We make sure we're using the data to be very specifically targeted. And, and frankly, you see better performance because of that as well. But what you can't measure, again, is that brand equity. The fact that the physician sees the brand as one that is trying to be there for the right reasons and that has a right to be in the room at that time. Um, and that's how you build brand. You know, you don't measure that necessarily with an ROI, although we do that as well. But it's something that needs to be thought about in point of care because there are a lot of folks jumping into point of care right now because of the stats that you use. There's more spend. It's more stable and growing spend. There's more interest and awareness about point of care. As a result, you have a lot of companies who are starting to build point of care into their networks necessarily without understanding the clinical software, the needs of the physician along the way. And that's something that we at Veridime take with paramount importance because we are the software provider. Uh, they use our clinical tools for EHR, practice management, revenue cycle management, and so many other reasons, patient portals. And so that's our first customer. And you want to work with platforms where the provider is the first customer. Very important. Yeah, I mean, I use the term brand safety because you were talking about, you know, you don't, you want to sort of be aware of what other brands are competing for that real estate, you know, and that your brand is being juxtaposed yes. against. But it's not quite the same, you know. I, I see it's, it's more of a brand equity sort of a discussion rather than a brand safety per se, um, because in the clinical environment, you know, it's 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 a little different. But um, you know, you talk about the need to sort of be aware of the underlying clinical software provider and making sure that all these brand equity points are in place and, and as you put it, uh, that respects the clinic's, clinician's experience and that doesn't negatively reflect on the brand. And that's why it's important, it seems, to you know, have a direct relationship with a, with a, with a, a point of care media provider uh, you know, to sort of ensure that all of that takes place. Um, and, and you're really, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're making sure that the brand views the physicians not merely as an NPI target, you know, as you put it, but really under, understands and addresses their, their real world clinical experiences and needs. What are, what are some of the other considerations there to, to make sure that uh, brands don't lose sight of that? This isn't just a number. This is a person that you're trying to, you know, make sure you engage with. Well, I, I think, look, it's challenging for marketers and agencies, their agencies, to kind of look at point of care and do everything in a bespoke fashion. However, you asked about trends earlier on, you know, all major agencies that we work with now have point of care centers of excellence. And I think that's the most important first step. You know, the agencies that are planning for point of care, the brand teams planning for point of care, they need to have centers of excellence who can help them polish, uh, refine their point of care and their EHR strategies. And encouragingly, I'm seeing more and more and more of that where we get called in uh, to, to educate. And, you know, we're not talking about work with us here. We're saying this is EHR. This is what it looks like. This is how it's used. Um, and so I think the first step is to reinforce the fact that these centers of excellence are a good thing. They're a necessary thing um, and that there's a lot of value on the back end that comes out of using that resource the right way. And the good partners want to educate as much as they can. So that's really the, the, the trick here is to make sure that you don't go end to end with a plan using NPI balls and cost efficiency as the end all be all, all the way top of funnel to the bottom. You gotta take a breath, take a step, and when you're in point of care, say, how can we use this channel appropriately and put a little bit more time, a little bit more energy into understanding the physician experience so that we can optimize the outcome for 
this brand and its marketing approach. And that's it. That's a good segue to the next question here is, you know, as they take that step and they take that breath and they look back and they say, how, how do we make sure that we're using this channel appropriately? How, how can they prepare for and react to the situations where their products may be at a disadvantage due to benefits, verification outcomes, or the presence of therapeutic alternatives in the EHR system? Well, so uh, a lot of this comes down to cost. Obviously, if you know you have good coverage, make sure it's known. And, and if you don't, make sure that you're offering uh, patient savings programs and other resources so that there's either price parity or um, the outcome is worth the uh, brand medically necessary or, or dispenses written. There's a specific reason why your brand is the right brand, despite any matters related to cost or anything else. Um, and if you understand that, then the messaging can certainly support that. Um, and we can make sure that you're injected in the right points in that workflow so that those messages are delivered uh, when it matters most. Yeah, I guess price really is increasingly, you know, more of a, a factor for physicians, even though some of them probably might not want to get involved in that uh, neck of the woods. Uh, they want to stay to what they feel is therapeutically the most appropriate treatment. Um, they, they have to sort of um, come to grips with the fact that there's a lot of uh, disruptions, as you put it, between them and getting that prescription. So they kind of do have to be aware of these other factors. You think about the fact that part of it is making it easy for them to see the pricing. If it's not in front of them, then they're not going to dig for it. But here's the other part. Physicians are moving towards value-based care models, period. So we're looking at their population of patients and we're looking at population level health. And so if their patients are routinely not getting their prescriptions, not taking their medications, not refilling their medications, and if their values are not improving and if their outcomes are not improving at the population level, there's a material economic impact to the physician. So that's another trend that is really important to understand and that physicians are becoming innately more aware of cost. They have to because cost relates to adherence, relates to outcomes, relates to value-based care models. So all of that is coming together and the technology is meeting them where they live in order to make it a little bit easier for them. That's a great point, Damon, in terms of the, the triple aim, you know, better uh, health care that's more affordable, uh, more efficient and uh, better quality. So they have to be innately more aware of, of the costs of, of things if they want to operate within that uh, population based uh, health environment, as, as you put it. Um, are you seeing, you know, kind of a related question you talk about connecting uh, patients to coordinated care? Are you seeing the, the model, you know, where, where um, social determinants of health comes into greater focus where some of the systems at the EHR level are making it possible to put in, plug in APIs into the EHR so that doctors or clinicians can actually prescribe support services as if they were to prescribe medications, uh, whether it might be counseling, social services, things that heretofore had not been so easily you know, connectable in, in an EHR. Are you seeing SDOH kind of become more of a, of a, of a, of a presence in the EHR? Well, I, I think the sources and the scope of social determinants of health, SDOH data, is becoming much, much stronger. And also data companies like Veridine, for example, are getting much better at integrating that data into other data assets, uh, mortality data, claims data, registry data, EHR data. All of that is being harmonized and used to understand patient populations and to drive better outcomes. So we're absolutely seeing more of that. Um, I personally have not seen specific interventions based upon SDOH data come into play yet, but I can certainly see a world where it does. 
Um, a lot of that data is unstructured and needs to be structured in a way where it can be used for that sort of outcome. But what I am seeing is um, frustration and progress around getting patients connected to services, hub services, for example, where everything that you described lives. So, you know, a call center is the starting point to get a patient enrollment, to get all the consents and signatures, and then get, get them connected to nursing services and care coordination, financial resources, or specific interventions that are related to SDOH um, inputs. Um, and that's where all that data is collected and used on the HUD side. Um, I think a natural progression would be you start to see in the EHR more messaging of support around those sorts of things. Uh, but I think it's a little bit early days on that, Mark. Sure. Yeah. I just remember you know, covering a couple of years ago, one big deal uh, with one of these uh, providers of SDOH um, plugins. Uh, but I guess it hasn't really taken off in any great uh, way, shape or form. As we move toward, you know, wrapping up this discussion, which has been fascinating, can you kind of reiterate, you know, for us, you know, what strategies marketers can employ, Damon, to ensure that their brand remains the preferred choice, even when HCPs are, are making patient level decisions and they may, there may be some disintermediary kind of uh, variables that kind of may get in the way? I think the, it's incumbent upon point of care providers to inform and arm omnichannel marketers with our data so that good decisions can be made. Come to me and we'll tell you what the clinical behaviors are of our practices and our physicians. What are they writing? Who are they treating? How are they treating? All de-identified, of course. Um, and other data points to help you understand this is what good looks like in Veridime's EHR, specifically based upon the patterns of our provider clients. That level of uh, kind of bespoke marketing support is really the secret sauce of what makes EHR so special and such a great conversion channel. Now you need to marry that with kind of the zeitgeist of the industry and moving towards programmatic and, you know, buying broad efficiently and leveraging data in real time to measure performance and look at next best action. All of that is fantastic and should be done, but it needs to be complemented by that direct bespoke model that only comes from a conversation with a vendor partner who can give you the data necessary to be a smart marketer. Well said, well uh, wrapped up there, Damon. And uh, so we hope everybody out there that you've enjoyed you know, this discussion on deeper ideas of how the point of care channel can go sideways in, in the EHR, uh, as well as uh, the comments about the quality of the environment, the importance of the clinical software environment. You know, there's a lot of aggregators and networks out there. Um, so, so how does a brand, you know, maintain its, its equity, especially as it scales up in, into an omni-channel uh, environment? And so uh, being an EHR expert, we hope that uh, Damon's uh, shining a light on this area has, has proven uh, as, as interesting to you as it has to me. To that end, those who have any questions can email him with their EHR integration questions or contact Damon through MMM. And, uh, you know, as the point of care channel becomes uh, yet more of a staple um, in, in programmatic and in omnichannel marketing, Damon, I hope that we can have another one of these conversations down the road. I would love to do it anytime, Mark. Thank you. It's a pleasure. 